This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey, founded in 1981 is the Mobile Air Conditioning Society, MAX, now called Mobile Air Climate Systems. Their focus is to provide unbiased information to shop owners and technicians, including technical resources and training for automotive air conditioning technicians. From the Aftermarket Radio Network, hello, Carm Capriato here. Let's dive into MAX together and also learn about the benefits to becoming a member because no matter what the future holds, vehicles are going to need Climate control. Hey, thanks to our sponsors, Apex and Shopware, for providing you this episode. Hey, I bet we all know a shop owner. I know you do. A service advisor or technician who has truly gone above and beyond in 2022. There is an award coming up, and it's time to nominate them for the third annual Apex Service and Repair Awards deadline, August 31st. Go to aapexshow.com slash service awards print out the application fill it out and then upload your choice hey why wait to order parts until a car's in your shop well with shopware you can see if you're short on a certain part before you open the ro and then pre-order so you never have to wait get ahead of the parts curve get shopware.com Hey, everybody. Uh, Carm Capriato, Remarkable Results Radio. Good to have you all here. We have a great episode on Max coming up, and that's not McDonald's slang for their burger. It's the uh, Mobile Air Climate Systems Association with Andy Fiffick and Peter Call. But first, look, at uh, I know when this episode's coming out, just near the end of August, and the deadline for the Apex nominations for the Service Repair Awards happen. The deadline is August 31st. I know I have just a few days to excite you to potentially nominate a shop owner, a technician, or a service advisor of the year. Please, aapexshow.com forward slash service awards. We would sure love you to honor someone that you know that has always gone above and beyond. Hey, Andy. Hi, Peter. Good to see you. Carm, good to see you. Hey, Carm. Andy Fiffick, CEO of Rad Air, a 10-location franchise, and uh, he had a great episode with us in uh, in July of 2022, How to Build Relationships with Students and Schools with, uh, with your number two, Bill Snow. That was great. Thank you for being here for that, Andy. We had a good time on that show. Yeah, it was fun. It was inspiring, by the way, for all that I know that you do in digging down deep and helping our young people get a a taste and a feel of our great industry. Uh, Peter Call is here, president and COO of the Mobile Air Climate Systems Association, MAX. Hi, Peter. Carm, how are you? I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to see Andy. I haven't haven't seen Andy in in a while. I've been away... uh, overseas. So it's nice to see my boss every so often. And he's the chairman of of Max, and you have been for a a little bit. 13 years now. I've been with the association since uh, 1988, and uh, I got on the board in 1996, and uh, I've been chairman for the last 13 years. It's been a long, long road. You're doing such a good job, they can't let you go. Either that or, you know, I'm just a little crazy one or the other. So. First of all, I don't know enough about Max. I'll, I'll be you know, straight up front. I've respected the association and all the good works you do. But I think for our industry, let's assume, Andy, let me make an assumption that 80% of our industry does air conditioning work. Am I close? I would say that's a very fair assessment, maybe even a little bit more. Talk about changes. Talk about environmental. You know, everybody's contemplating, shall I buy the new machine? 
And uh, the people I know that did got it themselves a competitive advantage in the marketplace. But, I mean, it just goes to prove, Peter, uh, that technology is advancing so fast and that Max has a say in what the EPA does. Yeah, we do. Um, You know, the EPA and other regulators uh, around the world uh, look to Max for information on the market and, and what's happening and, and what they can put in place that will either improve the environment or uh, make for better service for the consumer. And uh, Max is kind of integral in that. We actually started on 1234YF back in 2007. Even though YF never showed up until 2012, Max was involved in what that might look like way back when. So it shows up in 2012. We're now in 2022. That's 10 years. And there's still people on the fence in getting the equipment. Yeah, I think Andy can can touch on this a little bit. But here's my take on it. You know, it shows up in the Cadillac XTS here in the U.S. in 2012. Really kind of goes mainstream when... Dodge Chrysler Group, uh, Stellantis now, put it in all their vehicles. And, and there was reasons for that. There's uh, cafe credits, you know, if you remember way back when. I won't say mandated, but strongly suggested that you really need to get something like 54 and a half miles per gallon in corporate average fuel economy. It wasn't likely that some of these folks were going to be able to meet that. So they needed some help. And that help came in the form of the EPA granting credits. So if you used a low global warming potential refrigerant, something not 134A like we were used to, you could get some credits towards your cafe requirements or your tailpipe emissions. And uh, Chrysler was, was in need of those. So they went mainstream with it. And that was around 2015. And people looked at it and they said, well, you know, you've got a three-year warranty and then how long does it take for an air conditioning system needs service? And But we're at that point now where there's a reasonable percentage of cars coming into the shops that have 1234YF, and that's only going to increase every year. And, and, and Andy, I don't know what that number is for you guys, but if you guys weren't doing YF, you'd probably be losing a reasonable amount of business. We jumped on the YF bandwagon really early when it came out. I think I bought one of the first machines they had out. And we really got a great foothold in in our market because we're the only shop that could do all the body shop repairs. You know, so you say, yes, that vehicle won't be in our shops for three to five years, but they're in the body shops almost immediately. We got a foothold on the market right away. And I think the first year we did like 10 or 12. Next year, jumped up to a couple hundred. Now we're probably servicing a, a couple thousand YF cars a year now between the 10 stores. And it just keeps growing. And that's just part of what the evolution is. Uh, CARM, we were known as Mobile Air Conditioning Society So for years and years and years. The board recognized years ago that we were evolving and changing. So we did the pivot three years ago and we came Mobile Air Climate System Association. We wanted to keep the same acronym, but basically what it unfolded is... People that don't understand what's coming down the pike right now is all these hybrids and especially all electric vehicles, they got to cool and heat the battery. That is all being done by the heating and cooling system that's already been in the car and just being enhanced. So now we went from being just air conditioning per se to we're controlling all the thermal dynamics in the entire vehicle. 
And that's where Max has such, number one, as you said, a say with the EPA and all the regulators. We also have a say on how are you going to repair these things? What's the proper procedures and protocols that go in with that? I'll give you a quick little example how important a MAX membership is. I was at one of our locations the other day, and he goes, hey, do we know anything about the problem we're seeing with all these uh, XYZ car? I'm not going to name the car. <laughs> but we're seeing this vehicle come in repeatedly with high head pressures. We bring it in. We can't find nothing wrong with it. We go back out and... Uh, we re- evacuate it, recharge it, put it back on the road. A week, two weeks later, it's back with high head pressure to the point where it shut down the system. So I called up Steve at Max. I said, Steve, what do you know about this? Oh, all over it. He says, you're not going to believe what's wrong with this vehicle. Water drips on the blower motor control module and starts to short it out where you lose the first, second and first blower speed on the blower. When the blower quits people don't necessarily know it because they're driving down the road and they're getting a little airflow not you know if they needed more they'd turn it to high and it would work so what happens is the evaporator freezes up because the compressor's not you know not getting the evaporator's not getting any airflow it brings it into a vacuum the seals on the compressor shaft are made in a way that when it goes in a vacuum it sucks air into the system you suck enough air in our head pressures go up and the system shuts down you turn it off, it works for a few minutes, and it does it again. That was the fix for that, and I would not know that unless I called Max up and said, this is that. Now, Max, Steve, our technical writer, getting ready to write an article on this. But if you're a Max member and you have this sh- car showing up in your shop repeatedly and you can't find nothing wrong with it because it's not doing anything when it's there, that's the asset you have at your disposal. Phone call away. Yeah, and this is now going to jump into all the battery thermodynamics we got to do as all these hybrid electric vehicles the battery's got to both be heated and cooled so andy peter if i'm a member of max can i either make the call or get on an online uh data bank to discover this uh, the most recent discoveries the most important thing obviously is your service procedures you know it starts with understanding what the customer's complaint is identifying are there any TSBs out there. And then you can check your Mitchell system, your all data, whatever particular system you're using. And when you're kind of out of options, then you pick up the phone and you call us. And we may have resources that are tying some things together that we've seen in the past. Steve talks to so many members, so many people with different interesting things. And one of the great things about Steve and, and the team here at Max is the follow-up. They, they follow up on what these problems were to see what the resolution was, because then we're going to use that in the future, whether it's for our own purposes, a magazine article or something, or when the next uh, member calls. And we have non-members call us too. And we don't turn anyone away. However, you know, just like anything, our members kind of get the higher priority on on what we do here. And um, it's just a great benefit for them to be able to have this technical resource sitting right at their at their hands when they're out of options. So that's the word I'm thinking of, resource. It is, again, we need resources to fix cars today. The water dripped on the module for the blower motor. Okay, isn't that interesting? I mean, how some of the stuff happens. Who would have known, huh? Yeah, whoever ever would have thought that that would be a problem. And if it doesn't ever show up in a recall, then sometimes people aren't thinking about what that solution is. And, and Andy, you would know as well as anyone that sometimes there are fixes that are out there that are not put in TSBs. 
they're not available in TSBs. They're kind of backdoor hidden things. And um, we're fortunate enough to kind of have access to some of those. Would you guys work with the manufacturer and say, I think you need to do a recall or a TSB? Or we have this great information that caused the plethora of issues to happen. Yeah, okay, Diagnet, IATN, Max. Is this the only way we can get info up into the manufacturer? Well, one of the things that we're very fortunate here at Max is we have those direct relationships with manufacturers. So in the case of Ford, I won't tell you who it is, but we put a phone call into Detroit. We asked the question and we're not talking just somebody's general office. We're calling the cell phone of somebody who might be driving home that day. And we say, hey, what's going on with this? And one of the great things that happens is they'll say, yeah, we kind of know about that. Here's what's going on. We haven't decided what we're going to do. Is there going to be a TSB? Is there going to be a recall, et cetera? But, you know, here's the problem. Here's the solution. And it all depends on whether it makes it far enough. You know, and just with any of these things, it's how many vehicles does it impact and what's the safety implication? And if it doesn't impact enough vehicles and this, the safety isn't uh, the big concern, it may not make it to the level of a TSB. It may be some other internal service bulletin. Okay, and, and that's why your members and or the industry is going to rely on Max as a, a networking data source. Yeah, that's correct, because we're going to be able to go beyond what your all data and your, your other systems will be able to get for you uh, because we're in touch directly with the manufacturers and not just the manufacturers, of the vehicle, the manufacturers, of the system or the compressor or, or whatever particular component is involved, including the tools and equipment. Peter, is it, is it the shop owner who joins? Is it the technician who joins, Max? As a general rule, it's shop owners. We have uh, multiple categories for membership. We have manufacturers, which could be uh, anyone from an OEM to, to someone who manufactures equipment. Pick a couple big ones, you know, whether it's a Bosch or a Mala or a Snap-on, et cetera, could be members. And then we have distributor memberships for uh, large distributor chains, uh, you know, whether it's Napa, Pep Boys, those kind of folks. And then we have shop owners. And um, or the service providers, and it's generally a shop owner. When a shop owner joins, you know they get a whole bunch of benefits. Not only the technical resources and the magazine and and our max service reports that we put out that give some in depth technical review. For example, this what Andy's talking about. This will end up in a max service report uh, for this particular vehicle. But they get those benefits. They also get things like free, uh, a limited number of free EPA required 609 certifications for their staff every year. I'm sure Andy is experiencing this as much as anyone, uh, that there's some turnover in staff. So you get new people coming in or students coming in and they may not have the required EPA certification. And as a a max member shop, you get to uh, take advantage of getting that. If someone wanted to join, what's the URL? Maxw.org or max.ac. Those are the real easy ones to get to. We, we have our uh, mobileairclimatesystems.com uh, URL, but uh, max.ac or macsw.org uh, will get you right to our website. Well, thank you for that. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes in case anybody wants to have it do the see more on your player. You can see it. Is there EPA police that comes in and looks at these 609 certifications? How does that work? We'd like to think they are, but but as I've, I've told many people, we don't see the EPA police running around with little blue lights. Most of the time that happens when there's a consumer complaint. 
of some sort, or when there's some other concern about, you know, disposal of hazardous fluids, oil, et cetera. Somebody complains and they say, hey, these guys seem to be draining coolant right onto the ground. Or if there's there's some other consumer complaint. But the most important thing about the EPA 609 is you can't buy refrigerant without it. So if you were to contact your local supplier and you wanted to buy 30 pounds of 134A refrigerant today, you have to provide your EPA 609 certification card. It's not an option. It's now required. As of 2018, it's required to have that card. That's really a big driver for people to have their certification. You're also required to have it if you're servicing for compensation. So if you service an air conditioning system for any form of compensation, that includes a case of beer in the trunk to enjoy when you're all done, you're required to have an EPA 609 certification. And the 609 certification isn't about fixing the car. It's about good environmental practice related to air conditioning service. I think some of those guys do the beer before the repair because then we get those back into the shop, you know, for us to fix them right. And Andy, I know that you guys in in the whole industry faces this. Some people aren't big fans about do-it-yourself air conditioning service or do-it-yourself service at all. But in the case of air conditioning, the great thing about do-it-yourself air conditioning service is it really fixes the problem. And people get tired of doing the same thing over and over again, just filling the system with refrigerant. You know, go buy another $40 can of refrigerant at their local auto parts store, and eventually they take it to get fixed. We think that all service should be done by qualified technicians, qualified shops. But air conditioning is one of those that is very difficult to self-service. I vividly remember I had a gentleman walking in a shop a few years ago, hair blown back, covered with oil and dye. He tried to charge his air conditioner himself. He hooked the, the one pound can up to the high side, was revving it up and the can top blew off and the can actually exploded on him. Lucky he didn't get hurt, but was, just fix it. Just fix it. You know, that was like probably the third time he tried charging it. Of course, however, that was a fourth can he was trying to put in the system, too. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, what's most important today is, Carm, you remember years ago, we had systems that would take four and a half pounds of refrigerant. You know, back in, you know, dual zone vans and those bigger cars, three and a half pounds was very common. Today, a pound, sometimes less than a pound, you cannot accurately gauge how much refrigerant you're putting in as a do-it-yourselfer, you know, from a can. I mean, you simply can't do it. And now the systems are re-engineered where the oil is designed to stay in the bottom of the compressor and not go throughout the system like the old systems. The old system, we had an accumulator, you put an extra pound of refrigerant in, so it would take a long time for it to leak out. Then you also had three, four more extra ounces of oil in there just to protect the system. Well, the oil, when it coats the inside of the condenser and the evaporator, that cuts down on the thermal dynamic of the heat transfer. So now the engineers don't want the oil inside those systems. They want it only in a compressor where it's needed. So do-it-yourselfers that are out there adding extra oil and putting any amount of refrigerant in they know very rarely will fix the car. In most cases, they may be doing severe damage. And then they're mad at us because we say, oh, well, you blew the compressor up or you got this or you got that, you know, and, and they cause more problems. It's a mess. Hey, Carm here. Now, I bet we all know a shop owner, service advisor, or technician who has truly gone above and beyond in 2022 
and who represents the best of the best. Now it's time to nominate them for the third annual Apex Service and Repair Awards. Now these awards will recognize a shop owner of the year, service advisor of the year, and technician of the year. An independent panel of shop owners will select the award recipients based on their commitment to training, as well as community, charitable, and industry involvement. Apex will honor and celebrate the award winners during the opening keynote address at Apex 2022 in November in Las Vegas. Hey, don't wait. Nominations are due by August 31st. To nominate your outstanding industry leader, go to aapexshow.com slash service awards. Now, I know you know an outstanding shop owner, service advisor, or technician who's gone above and beyond this year. aapexshow.com slash service awards. Hey, stop guessing and get working on the next car or the opportunity to buy a second shop. Now, once you can see through the fog of numbers coming at you all day, you use less brain power to make better decisions. Start with reading the gauges on every bay and every tech with Shopware's Capacity Dashboard. Now, it makes it easy to see where you can squeeze in one more repair. Then get an overview of every business metric in your shop. Build your reports your way so the numbers that drive you jump out at you whenever you need them. Even if you add more shops to your operation, all the numbers end up consolidated by location or any way you want to slice and dice them. You're in control every step of the way, customizing as you go. Get a clear view. Get more profits. Get Shopware.com. I start to draw an analogy inside the bays when a problem car, no start, uh, short, the Diag specialist needs to handle that. In the air conditioning world, is there becoming a, a specialist in that kind of Diag work for, for HVAC, heat transfer? You know what? It's no different than a drivability issue or a no start issue. Or the, you know, I mean, you're going to follow the same diagnostic protocols. It's literally step by step. You know, you start where you got to start. The difference is refrigerant is a color odorless gas. You can't see it and you can barely trace it. So even now, if you put dye in the system, the dye used to be carried through the system with the oil. Well, now we're not carrying the oil through the system. So the dyes don't even work as well anymore. You know, so finding leaks today is really an art. And I will tell you, too, that. You know, a lot of them are going to come down to pattern failures. Now, you're going to see every Honda has this type of leak on this particular model. Every Ford has this. Every Hyundai does that. You know, unless you have the obscure where it's got damaged or somebody did something wrong. But anymore, we rely a lot on pattern failures and and basic common knowledge. You know, a good visual inspection, I don't care what you're checking on a car. That's the first step on any diagnostic to me is, you know, a good visual inspection, whether it be AC, drivability, whatever. You never know what's going on under there. And number two is checking battery voltage. I mean, checking your base battery voltage right off the bat in your grounds. You know, to me, that's I don't care what diagnostic you're doing. Good visual, checking your battery in your grounds right off the bat. It just gets you on the right plane. Carm, there used to be specialists years ago. There, there were, you know, radiator shops, right? That's all they did was radiators. There were AC shops. That's all they did was AC. And over time, as those systems became more reliable, AC systems, et cetera, became more reliable, you know, people diversified and, you know, they do more general maintenance. But in the shop, you're still going to find, just like anything else, you're going to find that guy in any given shop who is, 
he's just more in tune with a climate system diagnosis or somebody else who everybody in the shop can rebuild the transmission, but you need to give that to Johnny because Johnny's our guy who's going to do it right. He's going to do it right the first time and he's going to do it fast. So there are specialists in AC in every shop, but there are many fewer specialists than we used to have years ago. I would agree with that, you know, because years ago, air conditioners broke almost every year or they leaked almost every year, we should say. And then you had a lot of shaft seals. I can't tell you how many thousands of shaft seals we put in compressors. You know, we've been doing this 47 years, a long, long time. But, you know, you don't see that anymore. I mean, that specialty has almost gone away. The parts now are, you know, by the time the compressor needs a shaft seal, it probably needs a compressor. Uh, You know, at that point in time, we almost rarely do them anymore. As Peter said, there was one guy in the shop. Okay, he's the one that always rebuilds the compressors because we actually rebuilt the old A6s back in the day. I don't know if you remember, Carm, the big old A6 compressor was about 18 inches long, weighed about 35 pounds, and its own little oil pump in the bottom of it, an oil reservoir. I think it was a tank. That's when those engine compartments were, you could put a house inside of them. That's exactly right. That's right. And they weren't covered with all those um, beauty covers now or all the the pieces of plastic that serve no purpose other than to make the customer feel better. It's the where's my engine cover. Yeah. Right. Where's my everything cover? Cover it all. (laughs) You know, one thing I will mention, too, you know, we're talking about benefits of being with Max. I went to my first Max training event. Back then we called them conventions. I guess convention is an, an old fashioned term now. But back in 1988, I went to my first Mobile Air Conditioning Society convention and trade show, and I was literally blown away about how open, willing, giving, and engaging the entire membership was. And you would be sitting, you know, they'd have a little welcome reception. And all us car guys were, of course, talking about all the problem car that kicked our butt. Oh, no, we had that. We did this, you know, and it's to the point. I can honestly say every time I go on our training event trade shows, I literally learn just as much, if not more, at lunch and in the hallways and talking to the guys, you know, you know, at the welcome reception or the, or, or the you know, whatever reception we got going on. And the knowledge base we have is so vast. And And here's a little side benefit to that. If I'm looking up, you know, we're up here in Cleveland, we're in the Rust Belt. If I'm looking for an oddball old part for something on a car that's, let's say, 60s, 70s, 80s or whatever, I call a couple of friends I know through Max down in Texas or in Arizona. And they could source a part out there because that vehicle stayed on the road another 10 years longer in that market than it did here. And go, hey, I got one of those, or I know where you can get one, or I call a junkyard in Phoenix, you know, and go, hey, do you have one of these for this vehicle? And it's amazing what you can dig up. But you talk about distributors as being members. You get distributors down south that have parts. They'll have a brand new condenser for, let's say, a 1978 Impala sitting on the shelf yet. Of course, you can't order that through anywhere else, but they have it. Being a member of Max and and having those relationships with people around the country is so valuable. And it also helps guys like me, too. You know, I'll call up and say, hey, what's your labor thing going on? What are you paying your guys out there? What are you seeing going on in the market for the cost of 134A? Mm -hmm. And you build a friendship with this and a camaraderie with this literally nationwide group. 
And Peter just got back from Australia. Uh, I'll let him mention what we're doing over there. You know, we are actually international. Max is known international, and we have a lot of resources overseas. And that paid dividends for me. I had to call. We had a uh, Mercedes-Benz in here giving us trouble that was built in Germany, made for the German market. We had no data on it. I made one phone call, got in contact with the right guy, got the information I needed. And all that was a result of... Um, your relationship with Max, but also the the folks that you get to meet when you're, you know, attending a, a Max uh, conference and um, getting the training that you get there at the Max conference. You do have a yearly conference, right? We do. We have uh, the uh, Max training event this particular year. So let's track back just a little bit, um, because I think as with many of your guests that you you have over time, we all have to go back to pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. Because that period of COVID, you know, was just just such an upsetting time for the marketplace. So in uh, February of 2020, we had a training conference in Nashville. And then right after that, COVID came and actually kind of impacted everything. So Max kind of had to, I want to put on hold, but, you know, we're pushing back because of hotels and travel restrictions and so forth. So we had one again in September of 2021. And that was because we think the market needed it, but we also had some obligations that needed to be taken care of with commitments we had made and commitments that people had made to us. So it was very successful. It was a little smaller than we normally would have. And we expected that because we didn't have the international visitors. And we had some folks who were like, we really want to come, but we're restricted. We're not allowed to travel. So we picked it up again in September of 2021. Now in February of 2023, the first week of February 2023, we're going back to Nashville to the Gaylord Opryland in Nashville and to have our full-blown training conference, which will include you know automotive, a little bit of shop management, heavy-duty vehicle, thermal management, your air conditioning things, and also a, a specific area of focus on electric vehicles and the thermal management of electric vehicles. So we're real excited about that, and uh, I think we get some... 40-something. The program that's in development, which will be done sometime next week, is sitting behind me. But, uh, you know, uh, 40 training classes and you know, lots of folks and, and the networking aspect is just so important for our industry. You, Without the networking, Carm, you would not have met a lot of the people that you have, which led you to meet the next person, which led you to the realtor for your house or whatever the case might be. So networking is just a critical thing that we have. We're bringing in just so you know, we, we've got a little different this year. We've got Chris Chesney's coming in to do our keynote. I don't think I even know if I told Andy that yet. We've got Chris Chesney coming in to do our keynote. And I wanted Chris because Chris has this fantastic vision of what your transportation is going to look like in the future. And he's going to give us that perspective. And you know, we've got Hobbs coming in and, and Trulia and Peter Orlando and, you know, and all those great names that we have that are going to be able to educate and, uh, and facilitate. And we have a trade show. Trade show is great. It's an opportunity for people to touch and feel things. So many times these days, uh, you go to purchase uh, on anything and you just go on the internet and you look up the specs and so forth. But in the old days when you actually got to put your hands on it and touch it and feel it and say, oh, boy, I thought this would be heavier. I thought this would be bulkier. I didn't realize this was made of plastic instead of aluminum. So you go to a trade show and you get to touch and feel these things and ask questions directly of manufacturers. 
about either issues you're having or features and benefits. And and it's a, a win-win for everybody. A great pitch on the value of a conference and networking. And furthermore, guys, Nashville is just too much fun. <laughs> that that is. We didn't even get to tell you that, that we have a welcoming reception at the Wild Horse. We booked the third floor of the Wild Horse for our, our welcoming reception. And apparently uh, everyone's uh, pretty excited. And as they say, and the buses are full on the way down and the buses are pretty empty on the way back because nobody wants to leave. They just kind of stay down there and they migrate their own way home. I want to talk about EVs, but I want to ask you a question about uh, 123YF. Uh, why is it so expensive? Do you know? It's expensive to make. There's a lot of environmental regulations that have to be met now. And frankly, with 134A was very inexpensive for a long time. And it was inexpensive because everybody in the world was making it. You know, there's essentially generic versions of 134A. 1234YF, the investment just in the manufacturing facility to make 1234YF was, you know, I, I don't know what the exact number is, but if I said it was a billion dollars, I wouldn't be too far off. When somebody has to put out that kind of money and take that kind of risk, they have to be able to, to recover that. Um, the price is down significantly from where it was. Currently, you're looking at roughly $50 to $55 a pound for 1234YF. And think about it, Andy, what's a typical car is taking 500 grams, a pound of refrigerant, you know, maybe 1.2 pounds in a YF car these days. So you're talking $55, $60, $70 worth of refrigerant in a car. But take a look at the price of 134A. If you go buy 134A today, you could be paying $15 a pound. And it used to be $3 a pound. And that price skyrocketed this year because right. of some legislation that was put in place and, and so forth to, to control uh, you know, HFC refrigerant emissions. So it's not nearly as bad as it was. Andy, no problem doubling your money on refrigerant? No, not at all. No. I mean, especially when you're talking, most people don't question price if you, if you give them the value. You know, here's what we're going to do for you and here's what it's going to cost. It almost never comes up. You got the few that, that question it. It amazes me that we have 10 locations. We get approximately 50 to 60 Google reviews a week, you know, between the 10 locations. Three to five each store is pretty consistent. And I'm going to say 15, 20% always talks about how our value is good and what we do. So that, that's a testament to you selling the value of what you do. How do you explain to the client what you're doing for them and the value you're bringing to them? The price almost never comes up. I'm worried. Electric vehicles are coming out. There's nothing to work. I mean, well, okay, chassis, brakes and stuff. You know, the HVAC piece in the EVs, what opportunities. If you're not doing AC, there's no reason not to jump in, go to max, go to training and open up that opportunity at the EV level. All three of us have been around long enough to know that anytime they bring out anything new, problems show up. We're going to see issues that we have no clue what's going to hit us pretty soon. We have a monthly manager's meeting with all my guys. And I was telling them, I says, you know, we are going to be back in our heyday. And we started as a radiator and air conditioning specialty shop, radar. That was our thing, whether he transferred the engine or he transferred in the cabin. 
you know, it's all heat transfer, some some form or fashion. We are going to be back in our prime because all the heat transfer stuff going on with these batteries and these systems are going to be so magnified. BMW has a battery out where they're cooling it with liquid inside the battery pack. You know, uh, I'm waiting to see how those things age out. We get liquid leaking inside the battery, you know, and who's going to repair that? And I hear those battery packs are $15,000. So somebody's going to figure out how we're going to fix those. And we might actually be the people that do that. But Max will be leading the way on in the charge on what's the next problem, what's the next solution to those problems on all this thermal heat transfer. And, uh, you know, you look up north here, and we're in Cleveland. Winter is zero to 30 degrees. You know, we hit below zero sometimes, you know, and then our summers are hot and humid. So we're cooling the battery in the summer. We'll be heating the battery in the winter, plus your cabin, you know, and all the systems that go with that. You know, you go back as far as 2005, the Ford uh, Hybrid Escape, it had two evaporators. One was just for the battery pack. You know, and then it pulled its heat, you know, out of the cabin. But it, to cool the battery, it had its own separate evaporator. So you could not even have your air conditioning out front be rolling down the road with the windows down on a 70-degree day, but yet your air conditioner is running to cool the battery in the back. You know, so th- there's many systems that's coming into play that I think will be great opportunity for, for us in, in, in the aftermarket. Yeah, and they're all going to change. That's one of the great things. If you look at some of the, the new Hyundais that have just come out, the new uh, uh, Subaru Solterra that's on the way, and the Toyota BZ4X, I think is what it's called, little SUV thing. Um, they're using heat pump systems, and we're not used to using heat pump systems. And why are we using a heat pump? We're using a heat pump because we don't have any uh, engine heat to take advantage of that we've had in gasoline or diesel powered vehicles in the past. So we need some way to heat the passenger comfort or the, the passengers of the vehicle uh, and also to increase the temperature of the battery in cold weather. That's what a heat pump does. The problem is the current refrigerants we have mm, probably not quite as great as we'd like them to be in heat pumps. Um, they're working on it. There's new SAE activity that Max is uh, directly involved in. I'm, I'm fortunate to sit on the steering committee of this project that is looking at what the next refrigerant might be. Uh, we have six candidates, what the new systems are going to look like, what their efficiencies are going to be. And the whole goal here is currently, if, if we need heat in the car, we need to use electric heaters, some type of PTC heater. To for the passengers and or the battery. What does PTC mean? Positive temperature coefficient. Okay. Essentially, it's a piece of wire. You heat a piece of wire. Think about an electric baseboard. You know, fancy electric baseboard, a toaster, right? But those are power hogs. And where do they get their power? Well, it's not just pulling off the motor. It's from the battery. When I pull power out of the battery like that, or if I try to run the battery in cold conditions without pre- acclimatizing the battery to the temperature at once, I lose range. And we all know that currently, at least in my world, the biggest fear everybody has with electric vehicles is range anxiety. And if I told you that the marketer of the vehicle says you're going to get 300 miles in optimal conditions, my first question is, how about not in optimal conditions? 
How about when it's below 32 and I'm driving through the snow and somebody says, well, you know, we're going to lose between 30 and 50% of your range. Okay. So it's not really 300 when it's cold. It's only 150. Well, yeah, but don't worry about that. It'll be fine. It's that's good for everybody. And it may well be, but they'd like to be able to take that 150 and make it 250 in cold conditions and 300 in optimal conditions. And, and this thermal management system that they're working on, it will be part of that. It involves. Virtually every manufacturer of vehicles are on these, these phone calls that we have, and it's coming. Just like 1234YF, when Max was on the front end of that, learning about what it takes, contributing to what's going to be needed for both training as well as regulatory things, we're doing the same thing with these new EV systems will be a great resource for all that information when it comes out, not only for our own benefit to kind of populate our magazine, but also to provide it to our members. It's like physics meet technology. Boom. Right. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of service opportunities on EVs. Andy mentioned I was just in Australia. So I was in Australia, had the opportunity to attend our, our partner training conference there, the, the VASA group out in Surfer's Paradise for a few days. And uh, they did some great training and and they had some focus on electric vehicles. They had a Prius battery there and a Tesla battery and we had them all torn apart and talked about you know the high cost of a replacement battery, but the market for refurbishing batteries. So, you know, there's a whole nother cottage industry that will come up. Everyone's afraid of it, but it's going to be okay. There's, they still have brakes. They still have steering. They, you know, they still have drivetrains. Yep. You're not going to be changing any oil, but that doesn't mean that there aren't fluids that need to be tended to, if you will. These heat pump systems are going to be secondary loop, which means that there's two loops. You've got a refrigeration loop, and then you've got a secondary loop, which runs into the passenger compartment and past the battery and so forth. That's a kind of a glycol. So I've got two fluids to deal with now. You know, who knows whether those fluids will require any routine maintenance or not, depending on uh, the state of the fluid. You know, we don't know. It's all coming. It's coming quickly, and, and we can't wait. Andy, I have to tell you something. What I just heard Peter say, it sounded exciting. It's like, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear what's next. I can learn that. We can fix that. Capitalism will find a way, right? Entrepreneurs. It's like all the things you're saying, Peter, I think of the word opportunity. And I agree with that. And that's what I state as is we're going to be back in our prime for that exact reason, because the guys don't, don't stay with the technology it's just a bigger benefit for the guys that do. And the reason, you know, there's a secondary loop, some of these refrigerants are more flammable, so they got to keep them out of the passenger compartment. So that's why you're having secondary loop systems for the most part. Am I correct on that, Peter? Some of the proposed refrigerants will be slightly more flammable than, than you know, what we're using today. And yes, we certainly want to keep them out of the passenger compartment. The other reason for secondary loop is because you have proposed refrigerants like uh, carbon dioxide or CO2. And you don't want that high pressure running in the, in the, the cabin. So you want to keep that, you know, under the, what we used to call the hood of the car. I don't know, is it a frunk now? I don't know what you call it these days. The bonnet. Well, it was the bonnet in Australia. That's, that absolutely was the bonnet. Yeah, but yeah, if you think about the, the various business that you do today in servicing a vehicle, 
And if you just take oil change out of the picture, and frankly, I don't know if oil change is profitable. I see so many signs, 1995 oil change. I can't imagine they're making a whole lot of money at 1995. They're really kind of doing it because there might be some other service opportunities if they can kind of get you in there. But tires and brakes and even motor work, people are looking at it and they're going to say, yeah, but you know, this is a self-contained motor. Well, you know, but that self-contained motor has parts. And why would you want to pay, I don't know what a motor costs, you know, an electric motor costs. Why would you want to pay $3,000 for a new electric motor when we can pull these four bolts off the back? We can pull this out. We can swap this bearing in and we can rebuild it and get you another 80,000 miles out of it. So those are the opportunities that I think will exist out there. It's just a matter of how creative we need to be to find them. It sounds terminal. (laughs) It sounds like, oh, my God, this is the only way you can do it. And as we know, there are so many people just working on Tesla scan tools. And listen, we'll find a way. We'll figure out how to keep it inside the independent aftermarket. And those 1995 oil changes Maybe the lower half of our industry is still doing that, but the upper half, they're not doing that anymore. And if that's the only job that we lose, then we're in good shape, really good shape. And I know that you've been a big proponent of this, as have many of your guests, um, people like Scott Brown and, and so forth, that we're all very familiar with. The right to repair in some form is very important to our industry. And as we move to EVs, that right to repair, or at least the right to information, let's put it that way, respecting the fact that these companies, these OEs and so forth, have invested more money than we'll ever see in our lifetime to create this vehicle you know, for the public and that they have to recover, you know, those costs in some way. But having that information available is going to be so critical because we're moving away from something from the same vehicle that we've been dealing with since 1902 or frankly, 1895, whenever Carl Benz created the first car to something, a a kind of a brand new world force. And we've got to make sure we've got those communication channels to the OEs and those information channels open at a reasonable cost in order to take advantage of the service opportunities. They do need us. And uh, I know they're, they're fighting for a lot of right reasons and maybe there's a great compromise, but it starts, and thank you for bringing up Right to Repair, repairact.com, repairact.com. If you've not signed the petition, please do it. We've done shows on this. We're actually getting ready to do another one coming up in a few weeks uh, to bring some people that actually went to Washington and shook the hands of their legislators and said they got to get behind this bill. Repairact.com. Thank you for bringing that up, Peter. Hey, where's the time gone? I'm going to have to tell you, I don't know that much about air. Thank you, Andy, for bringing uh, this whole idea and, and inviting Peter uh, to join us. I think it's a fascinating episode. I think we covered a lot of great stuff that for us, I think, brings the confidence that there's great opportunities out there. But uh, the whole air conditioning side, if you're not in it, be in it. If you're not a member of Max, join. We'll have a link in the in the show notes. Any final words? But I'll give, it, give you Andy and then Peter. Andy first. Well, Carm, I think you hit it on the head. There is so much of our industry that has no clue with our side, you know, the HVAC side of it, it's looking with the heat pumps coming, the electric vehicles, the hybrids have already had for a while. And they've kind of stayed on the sidelines with it. 
you know, and I implore them to get involved with it because this is going to become a big part of everything coming down the line right now. In its simplest form, we have vehicles out there that have five infrared sensors to control the temperature at five seats in the vehicle. I mean, somebody's got to work on this stuff and understand it. And the more you understand it, the more you work on it, the more value you're worth and the more your your more value you add to, you know, the, the aftermarket sector. So our side of the aisle, you know, the aftermarket, we need to step it up and, and get more part of what's going on. And right to repair is part of that. Going to the, to our conferences and vision and other conferences and learning all we can and being engaged as much as we can. That's all part of the game. And I think too many of our guys sit on the sidelines and, you know, they watch the game but they're not in the game. What we brought to light today, at least open, open somebody's eyes and go, man, I need to get, take this air conditioning stuff a little more serious. And if I haven't gotten a YF machine, why not? So, but I, I appreciate everything you do, Carm. It's, it's great being on your show with you. Got to be in it to win it, right, Andy? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I want to thank you. Uh, thank Andy as well. Max, great organization. A lot, a lot of benefits for your membership. And you know, we're happy to help. And, and Carm, you'll, you'll have the contact information there. If, if something we can do, somebody just reach out and, and we'll help you. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Peter Call, who you just heard, uh, president and COO of the Mobile Air Climate Systems Association, Max. And Andy Fiffick, CEO of Rad Air. 10 location in Cleveland and how to build relationships with students and schools. We did a great episode in July and also the chairman of Max. Guys, enlightening. Thank you so much. Hey, Carmen, yeah. since, uh, since we left, we got two more into the GMASA program since that show. Wow. Uh, high fives to you, bud. Thank you. Thanks, Carm. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... 